Hey everyone, welcome to part one of episode three of Librarians Assembled, your everything libraries and comics podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stone. So you heard correctly, this is part one. The reason for having two parts is we have a lot to cover. In part one, I'll be talking to Angel, perhaps your new co-host. She will, she and I will be discussing Alex and Ada and Southern Bastards. And then following that, there'll be an interview with Jez, a public librarian outside of Chicago, who used to work for a comic shop and also is an internet advice guru. So you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. So let's stop wasting time and see what Angel and I think about Alex and Ada and Southern Bastards. Okay, everybody, it's time for the book recommendations part. So today we're doing something a little different. Instead of just me talking to myself like a crazy person, I'm joined today by Angel. She works for Tate's Comics down in South Florida. How's it going today, Angel? It goes. It goes well. Yeah, I'm not Tate. (laughs) You're not Tate. You're Angel. (laughs) Angel is a a long-time friend of mine. I know she's not Tate. Um, So before we get started, this is a a chance for everyone to open up their web browsers and pull up their um, collection development software, open a cart, and let's get to ordering some comics. Today, Angel and I are going to be talking about two trades. We're going to be talking about Alex and Ada, Volume 1, and we're also going to talk about Southern Bastards, Volume 1. So without any further ado, let's get started with Alex and Ada. Angel is a huge Alex and Ada fan. Yes, yes. And I will give the floor to her first. And then we'll go from there. So tell me, have you been reading it from the beginning? I have. Okay. I, I read the first issue the day it came out and was super excited. New Comic Book Wednesday is New. my favorite day of the week. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Christmas every <laughs> it week. It is. It's Christmas every Wednesday. Okay. So Alex and Ada is done by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. Luna writes and draws it. And Vaughn is a co-writer, which is not something I knew instantly. Maybe I missed that part in the... The part I had to look that up, so I thought that was pretty cool that there's a co-writer on it. The art for me, though, I'm going to start by talking about the art. I love the art. I've seen a lot of people say the art's too simple. I love the art, or that all the characters look the same. But I think the art is really good. No, nope, I love really, the art. It's really subtle, mm-hmm. really well done. The people are really pretty, but like, like nicely drawn. Like they're not it like is the future though. Yeah, so I right? think like, at that point. At some point in the future, we're all going to start gonna to become like, the same tone. Lord, Lord willing. <laughs> Lord willing. Um, so, no, like, what I liked about how people looked was they looked like people, pretty people, but not like, you know, not like Marvel or DC-drawn pretty people. These these were, like, just nice drawings, and the colors were really good. And so, like, I was all prepared to say, Sarah Vaughn, great artist. No, Jonathan Luna, great artist. He's done a lot of other stuff, though. Have you read or seen any much of his other stuff? I've read some of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of the other yeah. stuff. Um, Alex and Ada kind of drew me in at first because I try and read the first number one of every book that mm-hmm. comes out on Wednesdays, which is a challenge sometimes. <laughs> but um, I love his clean lines. I love the clean yeah, lines. Yeah, it's clean. That's it's the word. so pretty <laughs> to look at. Yeah, it. It is. It's very and good. it's one of those things that for me especially in the world of comics where there's so many superheroes and Mm -hmm. all these crazy people with superpowers and all that kind of stuff 
I liked that Alex and Ada was what I could viably imagine the future being yeah. like. Yeah, very it's, subdued. It's not crazy. Yeah, it's it's real life it's, in the future. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's very much like just a slice of life. Yep. But with a little bit more going on. And I, from what I understand, I, I've only read volume one. Angel, you've read the whole series now, yes. right? Because the series ended in June, correct? Yes. Okay. Which is cool. It's nice when things come to an end. Yes. Um, so let's talk about plot a little bit. So do you want to handle the plot since you've read most of it, or do you want me to handle the plot since I just read you volume can, one? You can start it because I can fill in <laughs> You don't want to give I too many spoilers. I don't want to spoil, yeah. and I'm not quite... Well, I know where the first one ends, mm-hmm. but I don't want to... Okay, so the plot drift. is we have our main character, and he just went through a breakup, which I think was... It's been a while since I read it myself, but I think the breakup was maybe a year before the thing started. Yeah, about, and he's still right? friends with her. Yeah, and so he's got like a shared group of friends, and he's kind of mopey. Very mopey. He, he's still kind of hung <laughs> up on it. And so one day, his very wealthy grandmother, who's one of my favorite like auxiliary <laughs> characters ever like she appears just once so far i don't know if she comes back she I, I assume she, she will does. but in volume one she only appeared the once and she was great she buys him an android or uh what do they call them in here they call them um what do they call them they had a name we should probably stop recording and find out what that is and come back to that <laughs> when we're talking later i'll look it up we're not even gonna stop it anyway he but she buys her an android him and Android, and it comes in. It, it's a pretty lady named it. He names it Ada, and yeah, it's pretty much like. Um, did you ever see that Black Mirror's episode? Black Mirror episode where um, Haley Atwal was in it. The, yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of a, a lot like that. When I mm-hmm. when I started reading, I'm like, oh, it's it's based on my favorite episode. But um, so it's like any other Android based thing you've read. She's very subservient. She's not. Yes. She has no personality of her own. She can't think for her own. She's just there. She can't even feed herself. She can't even feed herself. <laughs> She's just there to do what Alex wants her to do, um, which is very uncomfortable for him. Especially and, when he introduces her to his friends. Oh yeah, we'll get to that in a second. That's a really good scene. So um, <clears throat> he he's kind of hesitant to even accept it. He tries to send it back, her back, um, but he doesn't. He does eventually introduce Ada to his friends, and it's one of the best couple of panels I've seen in a long time <laughs> because it's fucking just quiet. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's like one. It's Alex and Ada on one couch, and then across from them are their three or four friends, and it's like four or five panels in a row of which just includes staring. his ex-girlfriend. Oh, and one of them yes. is his ex-girlfriend. Correct. <laughs> yes, and they're all just staring at at what's going on there because it's not acceptable. It's not so far into the future where it's just accepted that androids are personal assistants mm-hmm. or there to take your, you know, ticket or give you your coffee. It's still in a world where they exist, but they're not everywhere. And, and only weirdos have them. And only as weirdos companions. have them as companions. <laughs> only only deprived individuals have them. Um, one of the other things going on, one of the background stories there is that not too long ago, there was some kind of um, some kind of mutiny, I think, or some kind of like An disaster. Uprising yeah, at there, the manufacturing. Yeah, plant. there's the people who make them, which I think is I have it written down. Prime, I think, is the company that yes. makes them. Prime, which 
I'll get into in a little bit because I'm pretty sure they're taking a couple shots at Amazon by naming their thing Prime. Um, so Prime makes these androids, and some of the androids who are sentient had an uprising. Mm-hmm. And so since then, there have been legislation saying no android can think for itself. It has to be subservient. They all are branded on their, on their wrist, and it has to be shown at all times so everyone knows that's an android, not a real person. And so that, that bit of politics kind of hangs over the whole story. And so what happens is Alex feels very uncomfortable, which one of the things I like most about this is that Alex feels uncomfortable that he has a beautiful woman who's very, who will do whatever he says. Most stories like this would take that plot in a different direction. Much different direction. And he decides he's not comfortable with that power. And he's not comfortable having somebody in his house who can't do anything. So he discovers a secret underground community that will unlock her, that will give her her own personality, that will make her sentient, make her be able to think for herself. So volume one follows that. He finds that community. He well, meets it's up. an online community. It's an online community, but it's really cool because because of this prime thing in their heads. Well, yeah, they all have a, a computer chip in their in their foreheads, and that's nobody has phones, nobody has you know TVs. They have these chips mm-hmm. in their heads, and that's how they can make a call or mm-hmm. watch a show or whatever. Yeah, it's all and there. go online. Mm-hmm. And so for them to be able to have this online community in their head mm-hmm. to meet other androids that have become sentient mm-hmm. is I, I love the panels showing how they get into of the how chat they room. get into the yeah. chat room and where it goes from there. Yeah. There's literally like okay, I was gonna say literally a firewall, but then in my <laughs> mind I thought there'd be a wall on fire if it was literal. But there's a firewall he has to mm-hmm. literally walk up to yeah. in his mind and like talk to a wall in order to get in. And what I liked about what was going on with that is a lot of these chat rooms, just like modern day, they're you, they're un- anonymous. You don't you have no know, idea you can be you can be um, whoever you want to be. For the particular one that he goes to, they say you can't do that. Like they physically remove that ability for him to be anonymous. Yeah. And he goes into this room, and he meets all these other people who feel the same way he does. That robots have rights, and so he meets another android that was turned who who got the ability to think for himself himself herself i don't him, remember him. it was a him it's a him it was a him sorry i swear <laughs> we read these things um, so anyway well at first he, it's kind of you know it was kind of vague because he had like a, yeah, a, a like a hoodie, a, a hoodie and, on and it, it, was, it was you can't quite you're not quite sure yeah which is because all the characters are drawn very similar. They exactly. all look very similar. There's so it's kind of hard to delineate. There's not super masculine between, yeah. or super feminine. Yeah, everyone just looks like a normal person. Unless you go by what his friend said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some characteristics of Ada that make her stick out a little bit. Um, so, yeah. So he unlocks Ada. She thinks for herself. And the story ends. Yep. Volume 1 ends with her being unlocked and then walking into the sunset. Which... Um, I thought it was great. I think it's a great way for a trade to end. So many times with trades of ongoing series, you don't feel like you get a resolution no. at the end of it. You're like, I just spent $10 for a book, and I have no Well, and ending. I was happy with that ending because not only did you have a resolution thus far, but it also made you want uh-huh. to go and find out find what's out what happening happened. Yeah, next. If, if for some reason you were to never pick up Volume 2... You'd be all right. You're happy. But 
then you find out there's a volume two. You're like, oh, cool, I get to find out what happens next. Yes. So some things that I have written down here, um, androids. So uh, this story reminded me a lot of the Black Mirror episode. And I don't know if it's because it's one of the last android things I, I'd seen. I'd seen it earlier this year or last year when I finally watched Black Mirror. Um, the episode with Agent Carter in it is, is one, of, one of the best ones. Um, <clears throat> there's also another part where you're, the prime thing that was in their heads... There was another Black Mirror episode with the guy who plays Doctor Doom in the new Fantastic Four movie where everyone has these chips in their heads. It's a really good one. I think it's the best one. I think it's the best one. Everyone has these... Marathon. You need to. (laughs) Black Mirror is the best. Anyway, so there are these chips in these people's heads and it allows them access, recorded access to all of their memories. Mm -hmm. So memory is not in flux anymore like it's not it's not untrustworthy like it literally records what you see and hear and puts it in and so it really plays into it's a little scary it's fucking (laughs) frightening like watch the episode watch the episode and find out what happens like I'll spoil Alex and Ada for you because I just gave you a heads up we're talking about the book I'm not going to spoil that episode of Black Mirror because it's really good and you find out yeah that seems like a good idea to be like oh cool I'll never forget anything there's a lot of things in this life you want to forget. Yeah, a yeah, lot of things. I can only imagine. Um, and there's a lot of things. High school. There's a lot of things <laughs> your loved ones want you to forget too. So, um, one of the other things it reminded me of, though, I hadn't watched it. So I watched it just last night, right before we recorded this. The new AMC show Humans. Have you watched that yet? No. It's about. Do you know what it's about? Yes. Okay. I do. So for anyone who does it, it's about androids who are servants, mm-hmm. and the plot there is there's a little core group of of androids that are somehow better. They're smarter. They they're sentient. They're mm-hmm. they, they're able to think on their own, and so that's what this AMC show is about. And that's a lot about what Alex and Ada is too. Um, I read online there's a lot of comparisons to this book in Blade Runner. I don't think that's fair. Other than there's androids yeah. who think for themselves at some point yeah. like and don't and there's androids I've, that don't remember their androids well and i've read stuff comparing it to like uh ai and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so and basically if there's an android in it this thing's gonna draw a yeah, comparison it's not terminator it's not terminator. <laughs> though that would have been pretty cool <laughs> that would have been very cool that would have been very cool i think one of the other good examples for if you're looking for some where this book would fall on the spectrum I think it falls between that Black Mirrors episode that I've mentioned a hundred times now and the Spike Jones movie, Her. I have seen that movie. Yeah, I think it yes. falls on that spectrum, um, but better. Like, I think Go it's back. better than Her. Mm-hmm. I, Her was okay. I think where hers, Her fell, like where it wasn't as good, is where this one picks up. Where it, it gives more subtlety it's not as in your face as yeah. I just fell in love like volume one you have no idea whether or not Alex loves Ada they don't even really quite like each other yeah you don't like, know yeah they're like, cordial and yeah. polite but it's not you have no idea why he's giving her her freedom other than yes. the fact that you assume it's because he thinks what's going on is terrible yes. it's not a way for he's somebody a good to live person. he's doing it because he's, he's a, a good, good person, person and, and thinks people should be yeah. able to have their own choices. So, all right, so let's talk about Amazon. So the thing in their head is called Prime. The thing that Amazon tries to sell everyone and has sold me on is called Prime. Prime. It's your access to everything. And every time you turn around, Prime is doing more and more, right? Yes. And they've branded everything. So that was something that I don't know that for sure that that's what they were going for. 
but I if it was dollars they to donuts was <laughs> they were doing it, you know, like there's a lot to be said about this company that pretty much owns everything. Like mm-hmm. everything is a prime um, product. Yes. The androids, the things in their heads, mm-hmm. the plant they keep talking. Every you can't yep. go a couple pages without running into a prime Reference. product. So they have drones that drop things off. They have the drones that deliver it to your home. <laughs> not in not two days. It just takes a yeah. little bit, you know. So I, I thought that was pretty nice. I thought it was a little subtle too, because I honestly didn't pick it up until I think like I was reading the issues. I didn't read the volume, but I read issues one through five, which is what's in um volume one. And I think it was about issue two or three, honestly, where I was like, wait, prime Oh, Prime. <laughs> so yes. I thought that was pretty nice. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, my notes went away here. Okay. Um, I think it was a really good plot. I think it was a really good story. I think it explored individuals' rights in a way that not many other stories do, not many other Android stories do. Well, and it's also one of those things that I like it also for its social commentary mm-hmm. where it's it's – generalizing things in a way that you're trying to to make people understand being a good person is not a bad thing and mm-hmm. and standing up for other people is not a bad thing mm-hmm. without also shoving it down your throat. Yeah, it's, it was very it's a, subtle. more of a subtle thing. So mm-hmm. especially if you're going to if if we could get I feel like if we could get teenagers to read this. Yeah, right. Maybe the world would be a little bit of a better place. Yeah, and like you said, what what's great about this is it's got a clear political message. Yes, like from the word go. Get go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not heavy handed. No. In the slightest, it's not shoved in your face. Yeah. It's just here's a story. A a attractive man gets an attractive android, <laughs> and you think you know what's going to happen, and it doesn't. But it turns into a story about. Rights. It turns mm-hmm. into the story about a person having the right to think for themselves, to have, to be, to be autonomous. Yeah, is, is what this story is all about. And I thought that was really good. I think the pacing of the story was also really good. It was very, I want to say slow. And ever, and you're gonna hear me say slow, and you're gonna think, what, what the hell do I want to read a slow story for? But I think here, slow is a good thing. Yeah. It was slow in the sense that your life is slow. Yeah. You know, like, the things that happen in your life when you reflect on them seem like, wow, that all happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, it doesn't. And this this comic does a really good job of ex- of visualizing how slow your life really happened. Like, yeah. this, this comic was paced perfectly, I think. I don't think... Oh, I liked it. I loved the pace of the comic. Because it's, it's one of those things where you... you you do your standard mm-hmm. everyday things. You wake up, you brush your teeth, you mm-hmm. go to work. You yeah. do all these things. And you have this wrench thrown in where an android shows up <laughs> at your house. Thank you, rich grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has a rich grandma. Rich eccentric sent- grandma. Yeah. Eccentric definitely needs to be put in there. <laughs> you know, and it's... The world doesn't stop just because you got a pretty android now. No. And keeps, you got to go to work. You got to do your everyday stuff. Yep. And like you were saying about the... um um brushing your teeth thing there's a scene in there where he makes toast and it's this adorable (laughs) little toaster and it's like a a panel of the toaster a panel of the toaster the toast pops out then the toaster puts it on a plate and flies into the room to bring it to him it's really slow it's Uh it's like an entire page of 
Toast. He's about to have toast. <laughs> but it's a payoff because you realize everything around them is controlled by the same company making yes. all of these robots. It's all prime. It's all prime, babe. It's the prime. It's the prime <laughs> directive. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was really good. I thought the pacing was really good. Um, this the story took its time to unfurl. Like when I read issue five, I knew that was the end of volume one, and I thought, okay, I'm halfway a quarter of the way done with issue five and I don't know what the resolution is going to be here yet and I was a little con- like not concerned concern is not the word I was hesitant because I thought okay they're going to cram so much into this now all of a sudden you know like because being like being born and <laughs> raised on comics you think there's got to be some kind of big action thing oh, yes. like I thought okay they they go to a motel to unlock her, right? So I thought, oh god, the government's going to come bursting down, and the series, the volume one's going to end with a standoff, or they're surrounded by the FBI, or or Prime does some kind of GPS location on her. But it doesn't. It ends in a way that felt nice, like yep. oh hey, there's a happy ending to this, but an ambivalent happy ending, yes. like. Okay, but now Very you now you have an incredibly illegal thing walking next to you. Like mm-hmm. you could be like arrested and not even put on trial. Like just go to oh, jail. Yeah. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Just go straight to jail, and she would be terminated. Like yep. right then and there. So I thought that was pretty nice because you get this little sun, like literally a sunset ending. Like they're walking <laughs> into a sunset, but you're left with the knowledge that um, you just broke the law. Like big time Very broke, the much law. broke the law. So I thought that was really cool. Um, well, it also makes you think at the end of it too, because you know it's gonna go on to mm-hmm. another another at least few issues. At the time when I was reading yeah. it, it was oh I know a few more issues are gonna be coming mm-hmm. out. I didn't know where the ending was gonna be, but it was one of those things where I think I had to wait. I think there was a two month break instead of it coming out the next month. It came mm-hmm. out the following month, and so the whole time I was sitting there thinking, well. They're going to have to do one of two things. Either she's going to have to convince everybody that she still mm-hmm. is a complete android mm-hmm. with no brain. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to have to start figuring a way to pass her off as a real person. Mm-hmm. And to be and it's gonna be hard to up pass in the her air off. for yeah. two months. Yeah. You've already introduced her to your friends yeah. as an android. They, yeah, so your friends so. know she's a droid. They also, she has that tattoo on her arm. Yes, the tattoo. So she's going to be wearing long sleeves all the time. All That's the your time. approach. Maybe so, she can bring back the 80s sweatbands. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, just to recap for library purposes here, this should definitely be in every library. Like, hands down, this is a great book, really good um, comic book, really good story, really good for a collection that's not It's not superhero. It doesn't have, like, it doesn't have the name recognition of anything else, but it's just a really good story. So it's Alex and Ada, Volume 1. The creators, again, are Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Southern Bastards, Volume 1. The creators of that are Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Jason Aaron of Marvel fame did a bunch of different Marvel ones. I first, I didn't realize he was Jason Aaron, but I remember about, God, it feels like a decade ago now, Scalped was his yes. first one. You remember Scalp? I think Scalped. that might have been his first thing. Um, so, I'm not... I don't want to talk about this one first. I think Angel <laughs> should take this one because you'll find out I'm not completely sold on this book yet. I love Southern Bastards. Okay. 
I love it. There are different aspects of it that I love. But it takes place in a small town in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I had to live in a small town in Alabama shortly after graduating from culinary school. Mm. Not my most fun time, (laughs) but I can relate with a lot of the characters Mm -hmm. that are in this book. So, um, Earl Tubbs, Tubb, Earl Tubb, comes home um, because his father had passed away a long time ago and his uncle had lived on the family property. Mm -hmm. Now the uncle is in a nursing home and so Earl comes to clean out the house and pack everything up and he wants to go home to Birmingham, which is where he lives now. The big city. The big city, Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he is one of those men that just doesn't tolerate bad people doing bad things. And his father was the sheriff of the town before he passed away. And it starts off with him cleaning the house and he goes to pay his respects because this is also one of those small towns where you're buried on the property you own Mm -hmm. and so daddy's buried out back and he goes out back and realizes he's been gone for so long i think it's 40 years he's been gone i think so yeah and he's been gone so long that a tree has grown over his dad's grave Mm -hmm. and it's obvious from the first few pages that he and his dad obviously did not mesh well Mm -hmm. but um you know it just it it goes into he goes into town to get some ribs before he packs up to leave uh notices a brawl between somebody he went to high school with and somebody who is obviously running the town now and you they don't quite tell you who's doing it at first mm-hmm. uh and he refuses to let this guy get beat up and gets in a brawl with the town the town enforcers <laughs> the town enforcers mm-hmm. and uh it goes it, it kind of goes from there and you you learn the subtlety because one thing you will learn in Alabama is football. Mm. Football is king in Alabama. Yeah. And in this town, the coach it's is king. king. So That is, okay, so that is, I think, my favorite part of this story is how much it captures football as religion. Oh, yes. Um, I never lived in Alabama. I live the furthest south. Well, currently we're recording this in South Florida, but for those who don't know, South Florida is not the south, not it's the not. south proper. <laughs> it's southernmost you can really get in this country, but it's not the south. But the closest I've lived to the south is I lived in Jacksonville, which is pretty southern in it's some very southern. in some some parts. Um, so I recognized a lot of the southern culture in this. Yes. Um, that said. Um, I didn't buy a lot of it either. Like, a lot of it felt too cliched for the sake of being cliche, which... I think part of that is why I liked it. <laughs> yeah. And and I will say I read um, both Jason's wrote essays before this. Mm-hmm. The, the I picked up the trade for this one, so there's little introduction essays by both of them. Um, I will say they both come with southern credentials yes they both know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to the south more Mm -hmm. than i do more than i do i will say that jason aaron grew up in alabama yeah went to college in alabama so he knows more than i do but i felt like his his representation of these southern people was the representation you expect to find and there wasn't any 
variations. It is, and there's kind of a within the town conflict that mm-hmm. that ends up near the end of the trade. Yeah. Which that was where it disappointed me. I felt like there was no, there wasn't anybody backing him up. No, when everyone's everybody's on fine. the coach side. Everybody's fine with yeah. the status quo, and that, which that disappointed me. But it disappoints me too. But at the same time, that felt the most realistic in yeah. the sense that southern towns don't want to change. Don't no. And I live. I lived in a little town called Enterprise, Alabama, and shout the out biggest, to Enterprise. <laughs> The biggest thing around is the Walmart mm-hmm. and the Air Force Base mm-hmm. nearby. And you, li- I had to literally take a cooler with me to Walmart if I wanted to buy ice cream. Because by the time by I time got home, yeah. it would have melted. And and I thought I lived in, you know, the more metropolitan mm-hmm. side of Enterprise, yeah. if there was if, one. If such a thing could exist. But everything shuts down on Friday night at 4 o'clock. Why is that? Football. Friday night lights, baby. Yes. Friday night football at the local high school. Yep. And I have never. I I, I have a husband now who mm-hmm. went to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Go I understand the rivalry of football, but I never grasped the rivalry of football until Alabama, mm-hmm. because there was literally a fight. What? Because you don't have. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else. To do. I didn't go to high school anywhere near there, no. but I still went to the high school football games because there's, there's nothing, nothing else, else to do. To do. Yep. And there was literally a brawl in the parking lot <laughs> at halftime between the parents of oh, the yeah? opposing teams, at least once every few months. Yeah. And it's like, it's I, I can understand thing. it. It may be cliched, but it's unfortunately but it's a cliche true. for a it's reason. True. <laughs> one of the things I think one of the things that put me off with this book from the beginning was the very opening panel has a dog <laughs> has a dog defecating um, and in the background there's a few church signs yes and I thought that was a little too on the nose it was a little too pointed like listen I'm gonna there take a no shot there was no subtlety there's no su- <laughs> where Alex and Ada was nothing but subtlety yes this is the opposite in of that in your face this is everything is spelled out for you yes and so I thought okay that's fine they're they're attacking the institution that is the Christian religion mm-hmm. in the south the following page has that dog running after Earl's y'all hall <laughs> um, which is amazing which is amazing Y'all um, hall. Y'all um, For those listening to this not who have never lived in the South, y'all is a real thing. Y'all is a real thing. I lived in Jacksonville only for a few years, and that became a thing I found myself saying every mm-hmm. now and then. Um, and it still works its way into some professional emails I send, so there's that. <laughs> um, anyway, so the dog's chasing the y'all hall, and we see the Welcome to Alabama, Crawl, County, whatever, sign... And right beneath it says, keep Alabama beautiful, no dumping. And a page before that, you saw a dog taking a dump. So (laughs) I thought, okay, that's a funny visual joke. But at the same time, after reading the opening essays, I was a little disappointed with the humor level of this this thing. Um, And especially since that, it opens with a joke. It opens with a visual gag. Mm-hmm. It opens with a, a poop joke. A poop joke. Who doesn't love a good poop joke? 
but that's where the humor ends. Like, there's no humor. Oh, after that, there's no, no there more is jokes. No humor. The, 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 but the stakes never really seemed real in this. Like you said, Earl doesn't want anything bad happening to people. But I never really got that vibe from him. I get the vibe from him that he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't really know why he's staying. I don't, as a reader, know why he's staying. He doesn't know why he's staying. I think he fights with himself as to why he's staying. That's great. Because his dad had such ties to the community, and he feels like he should protect the community for his dad with the big stick. His dad was the sheriff with the big stick. And now... Uh, And now he has one forged from the tree that grew from his father's grave. Yes. Um, Okay, I get that. However, it's one thing to say, okay... I don't like this town. I wanted to move away, but I need to stay because something's happening. If that thing that's happening isn't the most violent thing that could be happening. Like, there is violence all throughout this. Like, Uh to think that he would get into... He's an elderly man. To think that he would get into these... He's at least 60. Yeah, at least. To think that he would get into these, like... Brawls, like straight up Walking Dead style, <laughs> smash your fucking head in brawls, yes. <laughs> is a little with people unrealistic. twenty to forty years with junior. people who are coaching. One of whom is the pastor's son. One of whom is the pastor's <laughs> son who has a tattoo across his neck that says "Rebel." Yes, the football's team name is also the other most realistic thing in here. Unfortunately, the football's team name is the Running Rebs. Yes, there are many, yes. many teams in the South still called something like that so that was very real um i just felt like there was a big mystery in here right like the things seem surrounded by mystery like what happened to his dad something bad Mm -hmm. happened to his dad we don't really know what that is we don't really know why earl is staying we don't really know what kind of shady business coach boss is up to coach boss we don't know any of that and that's cool. I'm all for mystery, and I'm all for mystery that never really tells me. But I'm all for mystery that at least gives me the tools to work it out myself. <laughs> and this one doesn't really. Um, it did that. That said, that negative comment said, I did feel like with just a little bit of tweaking, this would have been a great short story for like the Oxford American, which is for anyone who doesn't know, is a really, really great Southern literary magazine. Yes. Like, this would be this is a great southern story in here. They're in here somewhere. It's like, in right here. now, right <laughs> the way it is to me right now, it's an okay comic book, mm-hmm. but it has the potential to be a fucking good southern story, regardless yeah. of regardless of format, regardless of medium. Um, but the problem I had with it is the story felt predictable, yeah. Um, like, I know I just said, you know, I don't know anything about why anybody did anything, but I knew what was happening. Like, See, for me, I kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too far into it with <laughs> the mystery of it, but for me, well, oh, I don't know how to say it without spoiling the last panel of the book. Um, Spoil it. Okay. I don't care. Spoil it. Spoiler alert. If you don't like we this, We just spoiled the hell ahead. out of Alex and Ada. Spoil yeah. Us. So, in the last panel of the book, oh, and throughout the book... Uh, Earl has been trying to call somebody. I okay, don't know who it is. Okay, good. Because I was going to spoil this in a little somebody. bit anyway. So okay. He's trying to call somebody. They're not calling him back. You don't know why he, they're not calling him back. You don't know if they've had a falling out. You don't know what's going on. But he keeps trying to call this person. And every time he gets off the phone, he says, I love you. So you don't know who this person is. And 
at the last showdown at the uh, the Boss Barbecue Corral. <laughs> at the OK Corral. <laughs> um, an unfortunate thing happens to Earl. And the last scene, you see his cell phone ringing. Mm-hmm. And it breaks to who's calling him. And it's his daughter, who is in... The, in a war, I imagine Iraq or Afghanistan or something, um, who's in a war, but she also happens to be black. And I feel like maybe the reason he stayed away from this town is because, not that all towns in Alabama are, but unfortunately a thing with in the South is racism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those things people only talk about, but it happens. And so I feel like the biggest reason he was staying away and maybe the reason he stopped talking to his dad was that he met and either married or was in love with and mm-hmm. had a relationship with a black woman and mm-hmm. had a black child. Mm-hmm. And his, either his father or the town in general didn't, or that his father didn't want the town in general to know that mm-hmm. about him, hence cutting him off for 40 years. I feel okay. I like what you just said, and what you just said sold me more on the reveal <laughs> than the reveal it did itself. Did, did itself. Um, I feel the reveal was. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't feel like it was earned. Um, I felt like it was a shock to be shocking. Like, hey, look, he's I got a black daughter. <laughs> oh, who would have seen that coming in this very racist book? Like, mm-hmm. um. I didn't feel like it was warranted. I felt like it was just put there to be like, look, y'all, we, here's a black person <laughs> before, for, for the sake of like adding yet another twist to this thing yeah. that had no twist at all. Um, I like that he has a black daughter. I think that opens up the story to more potential, like you said. You know, it, 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 like you said now, which is not something I grasped myself, it could be why... He stayed out of town. Mm-hmm. You you get for most of the story, you get that he just hated his dad, so he hated yeah. the town that his dad represented. But maybe it has something to do with the fact that he knows this town can't handle that the, that kind of. Well, and for me, thing. that may be also why he felt the need to correct what, what was, was going, going on, on in the town is because he wants them to understand that this way of life is not the only way of life. That's a very good point. One that I did not really get, one that the story I don't think does a very good job of no. indicating, and <laughs> one that I would not be surprised if it doesn't really exist in the story. Like, I think we're putting something there that's not going to be I may be, be hoping. <laughs> I have not read anything other than Volume 1. I have... I'm current okay. in Southern Bastards. It's... It kind of... It, <laughs> this, the next story doesn't so much go along with this other than it's I get, football. I get the feeling it's that... It's football. <laughs> I, get, I get the feeling the way this story ends football that we might, <laughs> we might not be visiting Earl again. No. Um, <laughs> um, so, one one thing in here, when we're kind of running over, this might be... Remember when I said this was a giant-sized episode, everybody? <laughs> um, this might be a two-part episode at this point, because my interview with Jez was pretty long, too. So, one thing I will say, though, because I want to get to Tad, the, the little boy of the story. Oh. Um, okay, so one thing, I didn't think he was real. For a good chunk of the story, I thought he was either a figment of his imagination, some representation of himself as a child coming back. I could understand that. I thought maybe it was the person he was calling. 
like a vision of the person he was calling mm-hmm. when the when that person was younger. And then they do a good job of making you think that. Because I went back in, and looked at the art. And you never see Tad interact with anyone else. Nope. There's a scene where he's waiting in, in the barbecue for, for in the barbecue restaurant for somebody else. And Tad comes in and no one else is in the barbecue joint yet. Nor do they acknowledge. Nor And when they do come in, they don't acknowledge the kid. Yeah. The kid isn't shown in that panel anymore. He's kind of behind um, Earl. And the waitress asks Earl if he wants to take things to go because it doesn't look like he'll, he'll be able to finish. Like, she keeps referring to him like there's nobody else with him. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, this kid doesn't exist. Then, turns out the kid does exist. <laughs> because the kid's at the old tub home watching television. Because his grandma says the devil's in the television. Which I can, is valid. Which I can attest is something Southerners believe. Um, especially grandmas. Especially Southern grandmas. Um... So, yeah, the guys, there are some guys looking for Earl. They come to this home. They find their kid. And unspeakable violence happens to this kid. The kid lives. But I don't feel like this violence was handled very well in the story. Um, Earl seems a little upset. But then just gets his stick and carries on. The sheriff... He who, cries on his own. He cries on his own. And then I feel like his mission then switches to vengeance. Yeah. Which is why there's no more emotion. It's now, mm-hmm. you know, payback. I, I get that. Um, the town itself doesn't give a shit that this kid just got beat Not up. Not even by these a people. little. The town sheriff doesn't give a shit that this no. kid just got beat up and because shot by these people. The sheriff used to play football. For Coach Boss. And, okay, football is king, but is football king enough to to overlook a child being put in the hospital? A child who they even say in the story might never walk again. Well, and it's also insinuated before the violence happens that he is possibly but the slow. the kid might be a little developmentally challenged. <laughs> and developmentally challenged. I didn't think that the case, like, I can see that being the case. But I think they were just saying it because they're Southerners. And if you're a Southerner and you're a little different, you're quote-unquote retarded. Yes. That's a word that still gets used a A lot lot in the South. (laughs) For for anyone. For anyone, yes. Um, So I didn't really take it to mean that the kid really was developmentally challenged. He might have been. But if his attackers are throwing that word around, you would think that maybe they would be more hesitant about attacking somebody... Who's developmentally challenged? You would but think you, so, but you think and no. But I, I, I had a big problem with the fact that the town just is fine with this kid being in the hospital, yep. and everyone knows why the kid's in the hospital, mm-hmm. and they're fine with it. And I think that's the biggest problem I have with this book. Yep. Um, there is a huge moment there for something to turn this plot, for something to to make this plot. One well, Earl better. makes the classic impassioned speech to the townsfolk, and somebody throws a goddamn rock and at him. And somebody throws a rock at him, yeah. and he proceeds to get hit with baseball bats. So yeah, um, the town's not having it. I will say, I've I've taken I've taken the shit all over this book so far, <laughs> um, but I will say that I I will read volume two. Like, I think there's potential here, and I think these guys will get it. Like, I think this story will get better. And I do think it's a good addition to a collection in a library. There are some issues with the story, but I think 
for what it does is it, it highlights something that no other comic book is doing. No. There you can Alex and Ada, one of the best things I've picked up in a long time. However, you can throw a rock in a comic shop and find an Android story. Yes. You can't throw a rock in pretty much Fine. any store and find a, a southern story these days. Or a football story. Or a football story. And you're definitely not going to throw a rock in a comic shop and find either of those no. things. So I think for the... I, I want to say novelty, but not in the sense that like it's a gimmick, but like it's something new. Mm-hmm. It really is novel. The the fact that there's a ongoing graphic novel series set in the South about Southerners. Yeah. And, and it's not like, hey, these Southerners got superpowers. No, it's these Southerners are Southerners, and this yeah. is what's happening in their town. So that's why I would recommend it. Like I, this is the book recommendation section, and I'm sure people are like, oh, well, why are you dumping all over this book if you're saying you're recommend? I do recommend it, for the sake that there's not anything else like it right now. Well, and for me, I was excited when you said that these are the two books we were going to be talking about today, mm-hmm. because for me, as much as Alex and Ada was openly political mm-hmm. and trying to make you see a different side of things if if that wasn't how you thought mm-hmm. originally reading the book it was something that you got the sense of people deserve to be people mm-hmm. people are, are allowed people to have their people. own lives as, as yes dr seuss people <laughs> are people no matter how small there you go but um and on the other side of the coin for me was southern bastards you read it and if if you've never lived in the south and seen it with your own eyes this is kind of, don't get me wrong it's this is not what it's like every day in Alabama no. but it gives you a glimpse into probably some of the underlying tones mm-hmm. in certain places in the south and for me especially reading the issues as it went you feel not not dirty but you <laughs> feel bad because yeah. you realize that there are places in the country that this, this still happens yeah. and it for me, it was one of those things that it's like, well, you know what? I'm going to make sure that me and my eventual family and mm-hmm. the people around me are not like this. Yes. So that hopefully in the future, this won't be such an issue. And that's and I think the opening essay does a really good job. Um, Jason Aaron mentions, and I feel, and this is what grabbed me about the book. Because I feel the same way about the South that he does. I love it. I love the South. There's a something about it that I just really love. That said, it scares the shit out of me. Yes. I don't want to be there more than I have to be. I love the idea of visiting. I love the idea of being there here and there. Mm-hmm. But it is not a place I'd ever want to live. And I think that said, I think he could have done a better job of illustrating that yeah. in the book. And here I use illustrate, not like draw, you know. Yeah. I, um, I think he could have done a better job of showing that in his story. Whereas there's something, re- there's nothing redeeming about this This. There is this no city. happy ending. There's no happy ending. There's and there no doesn't, There doesn't have happy. to be, but there's, there doesn't seem to be any reason or any like underlying, this is what I love about the South in yeah. here. You know, when I read his opening, his opening thing, I thought, oh my God, this might be the book for me because I feel the same way. Yeah. And then I get there and I'm like, but you're not, you're not you're even, not showing the good you're not touching on any <laughs> of the things that you claim to love. No. You're just talking about the shit. Unless it's barbecue and football. And which I will say, <laughs> I have notes here, my two notes. 
I really want barbecue now. <laughs> and I'm really pumped up for the football season now. It's right yes. around the corner. And this this reminded me of that. So now I'm really pumped up for the football season. So, okay. So those are our two books. Again, Southern Bastards Volume 1 is done by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. And Alex and Ada Volume 1 is done by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. Uh, Angel was our guest today. Angel might be our guest for now on. Yay! She might be our new co-host. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, if it is something that goes, <clears throat> did you take care of that Wicked and Divine issue that keeps popping up? Every time I ask you, uh, you read Wicked <laughs> and Divine, did you take care of that yet? I have it at home. I haven't read it yet. Okay. But I, that was... That's part of my plan. I get to take a vacation in two weeks. Shut up. What is that? Excited. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I have a stack of books that I'm going to power right. through on the beach. Okay. So All right. that's so one of them. <laughs> that will probably be our next episode. Then. Yes. Wicked and Divine. We'll, we'll speak of, we'll finally talk about my favorite currently being published comic Yay. series, The Wicked and the Divine. Okay. So now I don't know what's going to happen. Either the episode's about to end. And then you can download another episode that features an interview with Jez. Or stay tuned for an interview with Jez, <laughs> which will make this episode incredibly long. So one of those two things, make sure, though, you do check out that interview with Jez. There was a lot of, lot of good information about library programs, and she's just an all-around cool person. So stick around for that, whether that means you have to download another episode or just stick on for this. It's, it's worth your time. Download all the episodes. Download all the episodes on iTunes or librariansassemble.com. And if you have anything you want to say about Wicked and Divine or you want to chastise Angel for not reading it, you can reach us <laughs> at Assemble Podcast on Twitter or on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash Librarians Assemble. All right. Take care. Okay, everyone. That's the end of part one. Coming up in part two, we'll be talking to Jez, a public librarian outside of Chicago. We'll be talking about library programming ideas. You'll get some more book recommendations. And you'll also get some advice on how to deal with your daughter growing up and getting her own cell phone, which is sadly something I have to face now. So come back for part two. Thanks.